Uh, well, we've made it, haven't we? We've, we've been summoned to HQ in the heart of Lincolnshire, or deepest, darkest Lincolnshire, right to the, uh, the heart of the amateur game. We're at England Golf's headquarters um, to meet with James, who is head of handicapping at uh, England Golf. New in post? Uh, brand new in post, yes. Yeah, started January the 3rd, I think it was. Yeah. So, and how are you finding the commute to Woodall? Um, it's not too bad. Um, to be honest, the good thing about the role is because it's a national role, um, generally the, the, the main working is from home um, or depending on where I need to go. So actually I'm down Woodall every couple of weeks really. Yeah. Um, but that's no, not too bad. It's nice to... Me, ge me geography is fastly improving. <laughs> it would do, yeah. Um, with, where I'm, with where I'm going. So uh, I always like to take the positives. Yeah. So Steve and I have both travelled down from Yorkshire today and uh, I'm a Lincolnshire lad, um, which I quite want to sort of talk a little bit about. Um, but Woodall is, is off the beaten track, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Was, uh, I, I'm quite baffled by the fact it's such a flat landscape <laughs> with the most windiest roads yeah. I've ever driven down. So, those, for the, so for those of you who don't know, um, Woodall Spa is um, it's in the sort of in arable Lincolnshire um, and it's got two incredible golf courses, particularly the Hotchkin, um, which is one of the best heathens uh, in England. And it's this sort of oddity of a sort of patch of sand. So you get this proper, proper inland links, heathland turf. Um, and we're here today for this podcast, but also for our annual balls test. Um, as the home of England golf, it's got absolutely amazing facilities. There's an elite academy, which has got everything from a trackman range to a gym to a sand putting lab, um, a short game area like I've never seen anywhere else, which has got too many greens to mention, um, and a, a quite exceptional range. So it's about the best place we could think of to test, to test golf balls. Uh, and James has kindly agreed to spend an hour of his time chatting through uh, a topic that Regular listeners will know is close to our heart, and that's WHS. Um, we are going to have to think of something else to talk about at some point. But it is the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? I just think we should continue to ride the train <laughs> while it's still there, before people get fed up with us. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's an amazing time to work in golf media, isn't it? Because the, the stories just keep on coming, don't they? Well, if it's not WHS, it's rollback. If it's not rollback, it's some rules drama, isn't it? Just keeps on giving. You know it's been a busy week when no one's mentioned Live Golf. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, yeah. That's happening, isn't it? It is happening tonight, yeah. Um, but not that you'd know, because we're all too busy arguing about golf balls, aren't we? But not today. Today we're going to have a chat through WHS. Um, Steve and I do a lot of pontificating about it, but we'll kind of want to get an expert's view and try and answer some questions that we get asked on social media um, that we get written into um, with queries about um, some of the nuances of WHS as the system beds in uh, and some of the things that we hear our, our friends and, and club mates talking about in the bar after their rounds of golf. So you ready for this James? I wouldn't worry, I'm not exactly Jeremy Paxman, I think it's going to be... No, yeah. I, I, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's golf at the end of the day, and I think WHS is 
something that affects all golfers. Yeah. Um, from the handicap into the course rating. So. Yeah. It's a fun. I mean, it, it's exactly right. Like it's a game, isn't it? And people get very triggered by this, and you get some very angry messages and some very angry comments on social media about aspects of it. Um, but it is at the end of the day uh, something to sort of hopefully kind of giggle along at some of it um, and understand that it's a, a new system that is just bedding in. How would you how would you sort of rate the kind of the start of WHS life if we're kind of two and a bit years in? If you're giving you score giving yourselves a score out of ten, how would you say that the rollout's gone? Well, I think it's it's quite interesting from my point of view because when WHS first came in, I was a golfer just like anybody else i'm a golfer playing up the Brantford castle in durham um thinking how's this handicap system going to affect us or, and i mean one thing I, I was quite involved with the handicap committee and the committee of Brantford, so i've got a little bit of knowledge around from the the coal face as it were yeah um but then starting this role from january looking at all the work that's being put in from england golf uh, from the rna from all the volunteers up and down the country um, I think that's been very successful. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a big change going from from Congo, something that's been established for quite a, some time in that system, to something completely new. And I think that's been very successful so far. I think the foundations have been firmly built. Um, and now it's my opportunity to work with the great team we've got here at Woodall and push that even further and, and really get the education going. I think some people forget that um, it came in in the middle of COVID. And then we were restricted the next season. So really, I suppose 2022 was like the first full season, WHS, like uninterrupted with yeah. no restrictions. So we're already into sort of the second year of it, I suppose, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. I, to be honest with you, I think, I don't know whether COVID was a, maybe was a, a hindrance or a help, if I'm honest with you. It's a, it's a tough one to really decide. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's here. It's, it's in full flow. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to really try and push on with the, the education and um, really support our golfers, yeah. our clubs and our counties in, in delivering it. So you're an interesting character, I think, in the sense that um, you saw WHS in as a golfer, not as yeah. an administrator of, yeah. the, of, the, of the governing body. So I suppose you're fairly unique in, um, in the handicapping piece that you've experienced it from both sides, both from mm-hmm. a handicap committee perspective and now obviously, albeit you've only been here a few weeks, from a governing body's perspective. So, I mean, what, what do you think have been some of the positives of WHS and, and where can it be improved, do you think, as well? Nothing's perfect, is it? I don't think anyone would say <laughs> no. that. But. Uh, no, I don't think anything's perfect, but I, I do really like the idea of um, the course rating system for one, so for example, every course is different. You've got links, you've got Parkland, you've got Heathlands, um, you've got courses that are long, courses that are short, and ultimately it's about understanding where the difficulty is within the, within the game. I think that's one of the real positive things about WHS, that obviously I might be a five handicapper at Bransbeth, or maybe a four handicapper somewhere else, or a seven handicapper elsewhere, because that's the shots that you need to get around the course. I think that's the idea of WHS. It's getting um, fairness and equity into the game um, and, and really helping grow the, the game. And one thing that's really good about it is, one thing we're really trying to push is the fact that anybody can play with anybody. Mm-hmm. So man, man or woman, mixed tea, mixed tea uh, competitions, you can really start bringing that into, into, the, into the fore. Yeah. Do you think WHS is on the way to achieving its aims? And what, what would your sort of understanding be of the kind of 
what is the genesis of the change? Like, what, what are we trying to achieve, do you think, principally by, by changing the system? Well, ultimately, I think we're trying to make the game more fun, um, get more enjoyment out of the game, and increase the participation within the game. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we take the, the independent golfer, Kai Golf, I had a good podcast listen last, last week on that, which was really useful. But there's a lot of golfers out there who maybe don't want to be a member of a golf club or are too afraid to join a golf club, but want to start on a pathway yeah. um, to get in, into golf, getting a handicap. I think that WHS is really helping those golfers get into the game. Yeah. And I think that's what we need as a sport to get it to grow. Yeah. Um, to safeguard the future of, of golf. I think, um, I think that sort of stuff is absolutely unarguable. And if the original intention was a kind of handicap for everyone um, and to give the, the kind of nomadic golfer a way of tracking progress and, and ga engaging more people with the game more often, mm -hmm. um, I think that my sort of vote would certainly be in the camp of it's, it's achieving those aims. I guess where, where some of the kind of um, the naysayings come has been from existing players who've yeah. grown up with one thing and are now being asked to change. So we obviously get all sorts of comments about what was wrong with the old system and a lot of it is kind of misunderstanding and I guess a little bit of nostalgia. The analogy I always use is that Gary Neville was always a lot better right back when he was injured. <laughs> um, people sort of um, hanker after what they've, they once had, don't they? Yeah. Um, there's two, there's two sort of principal things that I think um, those of us that have grown up with Kongu used to sort of hang our hat on. Um, so I've played uh, sort of category one golf, if you like, for want of a better expression, most of my life. Um, and there are a few things that you kind of get very, you got very entrenched in under Kongu. So I would seek out um, courses that had a high uh, standard scratch because mm -hmm. I knew that gave me a bit more leeway. Um, and I would also understand the events that I played in where the, the CSS would almost always move up and often move to non-qualifier. So for a low handicap golfer, and I would say that a disproportionate number of the grumbles that we get come from low handicap yeah. golfers. Um, the, that kind of clarity around this is the standard scratch, this is the potential for CSS to move. There's a few, I think there's, there's a frustration at that, that that has been, uh, been lost. So you touched on uh, course rating and slope rating. So I think it'd be good to have a little bit of a chat through kind of how that how those things work yeah. because it, it is a more complicated system, isn't it? Um, from a course from a from a um, course rating point of view, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I mean, I'm holding the course rating system guide in my hand now, and ultimately, how courses are rated do, um, is determined on quite a number of different factors. This wasn't relevant with the the old handicap system, so uh, or. As, or, or as intrinsic of what of what it is now. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of rating the difficulty of a golf course, it's it's a lot more precise. Yeah, please do run us through some of that because I think that is that detail is interesting. Yeah. So I mean, when we look at so from, there's a few factors when we're looking down to it. So one's about the the distance or the carry and roll of the scratch and bogey golfer. You look into the average wind speeds with within a certain location. Right. Um, so that's one of the other reasons why PCC might not go up as much. Mm -hmm. um, looking at altitude, topography, fairway width, um, recovery in, uh, in the rough. Mm -hmm. So how, how easy to get from that. Bunker player, um, lateral hazards, trees. And another factor is a, a psychological factor. Um, okay. So determine them on the difficulty of a, of a hole and where it sits. So right. you kind of think the fact is you're having a fantastic round, but you know the standard par four 
18, 350 yards might be easy as anything on the first tour, but actually because it's the 18th hole and you've got to carry it off some water, all of a sudden it becomes a, a little bit more into play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of absolute nuggets in there that I certainly didn't understand. So um, you're saying that if you if a, a course ends with the straight one and it's a monster sort of 450 into the wind where there's a high scores possible, that might affect the, um, the course rating. It certainly could do, yeah. Um, and that is an interesting point that you're making about wind being a factor. So to a degree, if, a, if a, a links course, for example, then that kind of, that's already almost baked into the course yeah. rating. Which, yeah, it is. Yeah. So if you look, take Seaton Carew, which I know you, you played the other week, yeah. if their average wind speed is 20 miles an hour yeah. um, across, across the year, that's, that's included within the course rating. So it's going to take up to 30, 40, 50 miles an hour wind speeds. So yeah. Then we end up affecting the course rating. Oh, sorry, the PCC, sorry. Yeah. So. so, I mean, that, that, that is another aspect that, I mean, I've lots and lots and lots of people at my golf mm. club mo moaning about PCC. So I play at Old Woodley where um, the standard scratch in old money was, is two or three over par. And mm -hmm. certainly off the white or the, or the very back tees, it would always go yeah. up two or three. Um, and it kind of makes you laugh because people always look at you, your Old Woodley handicap and go, oh, you must be a good player. But if you're playing off that round there, yeah. sometimes think the opposite's true because you've got yeah. this enormous buffer, basically. Um, but we never see PCC move. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to say it hasn't. It has never moved. But certainly, in my experiences of playing last year, um, I can't think of a time that it's moved. Um, and I think when we've discussed this with England Golf before and on these podcasts before, it's been described as a black box calculation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually not had the pleasure of seeing the calculation yet. Right. Um, because the main thing about course rating is it is uh, governed by the USGA. Yeah. Um, so they have the, the PCC calculation. Um, the way that it works, though, we were able to send, I think it was about seven, eight million scores mm -hmm. to them and say, look, PCC is not moving like it, like it should do. And that was because of the rounding factor. So if, if it was saying the course of playing 0 0.9 um, more difficult that day, mm -hmm. it was rounding down to zero okay. instead of going to one. Well, that's changed now. That came in 22nd of August last year. Got you. So I could, I mean, I could pull a report for you now and it'll, it's going to show how many times the PCC's changed since then. Yeah. Um, and it has started to move a good bit percentage more yeah. than we previously did. I think the, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the data was it was moving previously at around 5 or 6% and now it's at 9 and 10%. Yeah. I think that's right, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, it absolutely is, yeah. How could you express that in positive terms, a 40% uplift in PCC moves? I think I expressed it in the piece that I wrote about it as doubled. Oh, did you? <laughs> I mean, we like a headline. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that is interesting. But the, the, this black box calculation thing, so um, the, under the old method, the, the sort of standard scratch uh, CSS, so you were able to work out pretty much like mm -hmm. when the CSS was going to yeah. move. And in the olden days, it was a, a physical chart, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, where it, and I, I think that um, low handicaps in the field had a disproportionate effect and you knew the percentages of people who'd missed buffer and that would um, affect the CSS. Yeah. So I don't know if people kind of fully understood it, but they kind of understood how the system worked and they could look at their medal result and they yeah. could see... They could, they could kind of like gauge, yeah. I mean... 
you say you, you could you could write that one on the back of a fag packet, really, couldn't you? So, yeah, yeah. In terms of where you could do the old CSS. Yeah. Um, and the main thing about the CSS is though, that was only in competitions. Yeah. Uh, where PCC is calculated once on a course per day. Right. And that's for every round that happened on that course that day, mm -hmm. competition or general play. Got you. So that's quite a big difference, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we should start to see some more movement in, mm -hmm. in PCC. Uh, are these uh, these PCC things going up or down? Or do we not know? It's a mixture, really. Is it? Yeah. It's a mixture. I mean, I don't. Can, I, I haven't even thought about the. I've never thought about the concept of the PCC going down. But that, that sounds so alien. I mean, <laughs> I I always talk about this from a um, CSS going up, but if you go and play at um, somewhere that's not. Uh, a championship venue basically then quite often the, the CSS would go down people moan about that a lot as well we used to moan that about that a lot as well I, I blocked it out it's a bad memory did that not used to happen at uh, Sandburn going down yeah it, yeah it did go down from time to time but I mean like pre-WHS pre-USG pre course rating yeah um, so when, when Sandburn got so that was, this is my former golf club. I'm sure regular listeners know that. But um, when it got its USGA rating, it, it was like 73.6. So it was quite high. And the slope was like 136. So, I mean, to be honest with you, it's not going down very often there because it's difficult. Yeah, well, I mean, so I grew up playing my golf at Louth in Lincolnshire, just up the road from here, which was a par 72. And it was standard scratch 71. And it would quite often go down. There were like par fives you could reach, good greens. Etc. Mm. Etc. So go on, man. What's I the data? I suppose I always remember the disheartening fact of thinking I'd hit buffer and then it went down and I got me point one back and that was one of the worst moments. But these are the things that people miss. I think. Yeah. Like, it's like I don't miss that at all. I don't miss that. That, at all that was that was my. I used to hate that because at one point in my golfing life I was like remarkably consistent. I could shoot like net seventy one quite often and you go right great another 0.2 or whatever it was down, and then the CSS was 71. I'd be chucking things at the wall <laughs> the next I, day when I, that came through. I feel like sort of redundant about it. Like I've spent a lot of hours in my life, like, you know, months have probably added up that with me grinding away trying to make buffer zone, and now it doesn't exist. That's why people miss it. You'll live. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wanted to ask you, obviously, about another thing that um, often comes up. Um, it's got the fancy title of interoperability, um, but yeah. in reality, it's um, being able to put scorecards in other countries. Yeah. I think, I think um, we're obsessed about this in GB and I, yeah. um, in terms of you know English players going to Scotland or or, or to Wales or to Ireland and vice yeah. versa, and there are also a tranche of golfers who might have a membership in Spain or Portugal or will go to play golf there. Um, can you give us an update on what's going on with that? Because I think. If, if, I, if I'm reading the situation right there, I hope so, because I've written about it. Um, <laughs> things are moving here in yes. GB and I, but we might not necessarily see the same movement so quickly across the rest of Europe, perhaps, and the rest of the world. Yeah, so there's, there's kind of two little projects, that, I suppose not little, two projects that are going on. So I think the first thing I'll say is, right now it's a manual process of being able to submit your, your cards from countries. You can do it. Um, you've just got to make sure you... You, you follow your player responsibility, so I think we'll touch on, on to it later. But in terms of getting that digital interoperability, I think in terms of GB and I, we're close. We, we'll, this year, fingers crossed, touch wood. 
um, and that'll be uh, a lot easier for British golfers to submit cards on the My EJ app or um, yeah, so let, the app that Scotland so, use. Or yeah, so let's be clear by that we mean I mean digitally um, yeah. being able to do it through the app yeah. um, because obviously as, as you said golfers can do it. Um, and they can find out how to do it on your website, actually. This is the only plug, plug I'm going to give you. But um, <laughs> you can actually find out how to enter a score non-digitally um, in other countries in a yeah. rather nice help yeah. section on your website. Our um, website have, has all the answers. <laughs> but, but, talk, but I mean, I think, that's, I think what golfers want is um, that kind of digital option. So we're yeah. saying this year, are we? Yeah. I mean, in, in England, if you go on the MyAJ app, you'll always start to notice courses in Scotland and Wales and Ireland coming on, like in St Andrews and it comes up. The markers aren't there yet, but uh, the costs are starting to get uploaded. So um, it's hopefully this year. It's the biggest own goal of the whole thing, isn't it? I think if you were kind of being candid about it, um, if something is rolled out as a world handicap system and then there's this barrier where you can't submit um, scores digitally cross-border within yeah. Britain, I think it's an understandable frustration that golfers have got. Absolutely, I completely understand that, and I suppose that's why I'm, I'm using the word digital a lot yeah. on that because it's always it's always been there to be able to submit these scores. It's just yeah, um, obviously having a doing it digitally, which is a, which is a lot easier for people, especially for golfers along the borders. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, it's 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 affected me personally. I can tell you, <laughs> my regular four ball, my regular four ball partner played always golf in Scotland last year. Right. Did not do the admin of submitting cards to the uh, competition secretary, whatever it is he's supposed to do. So now he's ineligible, and I can't play with him. It's a disaster. Right. Yeah. It's because uh, it's because Old Woodley have got an acceptable scores requirement in for entering right. match play events. The other problem well, that's, that's terms of competitions. The other <laughs> the other problem it causes me is we run this amateur golf tour called the NCG Top 100s Tour, which is in England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland, and hot off the press in Spain later this year. Um, we have to choose a home nation right. so we can automate players' scores in England, but we yeah. have to do it manually in Scotland. Right. Very difficult for us. Um, well, fingers crossed it'll get easier soon. We really ought to, Steve. We really ought to speak to the RNA about why they didn't just say, and this is the technology partner for it, because that's the, the problem is caused by home unions going off in different directions. I'm not an expert on this. I mean, I think... I don't think the RNA specified technology partners to governing bodies. I think they did. They, I mean, they doled out the licenses. I think for WHS, but yes. that's obviously that's obviously yeah, a very so, different thing. But I know I understand that bit. Is that they they all, the arbiters of the game at amateur level are the home unions, so they've been given a license for WHS. The technology was a tender, so England Golf tendered. Various different people pitched, and they went with. Um, uh, love golf um, and or dot golf rather, and Scotland decided to go in their own direction. Um, so I think that that is worth us having a dig into at some point because a lot of these problems would have been solved had the RNA been the people doing the tender. Well, look I'll, how nervous you are. I'll um, <laughs> I'll get into my contacts with the RNA. I mean, I, I mean, I think there's a wider thing which is I, I don't want to um, I don't know enough about this yet. Um, to, to start talking about it with any authority. But I mean, I, I do think that um, it probably should have been easier 
um, or easy, more easily foreseen for the various different software companies to talk to each other. I mean, this has been a bigger ask than probably it needed to be. Um, but I'll get into it, Tom. You'll I'll get, get into, into it. it and, we'll, and we'll get into it. I, I, I did want to move on to um, another chief golfer's moan, if that's okay. Well, you can um, do. I mean, I was, I was just going to say on the technology point, in the States, they used the Gin app, which is powered by Golf Genius. Um, so they, and obviously that's the whole country. Um, I don't really understand why. Yeah. Some people might argue that competition's good. They might do, yeah. Um, but I did want to get on to another uh, chief golfer moan, probably the one that you've heard the most actually over the two and a half years of um, WHS. And I know that you've heard this um, in your first few weeks in the job, and I know that you've definitely heard it being on a handicap committee which is um, that higher handicappers are dominating competitions and that um, it's no fun anymore for the low handicap golfer why do they even bother entering competitions because they've got no chance I mean anecdotally there were obviously a lot of low scores a lot of low stable for point scores um, at the start of WHS I saw it at my club I'm sure you saw it at yours as well um, you know, they can, you can say that there's some issues with transition there and that the system would settle down naturally over time as, as people moved from a Congo mark to, uh, to a WHS index. But mm -hmm. this, this kind of um, this thing has persisted, hasn't it? And, it? and it's still out there now. So, I mean, is there any truth to it? Do higher handicappers dominate competitions? And if they do, why? Um, I suppose what, what I'll say, first off, for a club, it all depends on what they have in their terms of competitions as well, in terms of how they run their competitions, it's very key. But I suppose one of the first questions we always ask at our workshops is, what's your perception of the high handicapper? Mm -hmm. um, because actually the average handicapper for a male is 17, mm -hmm. and for a female it's 27.7. So is that a high handicap? Actually, it's, it's, it's average, it's a mid-range handicap. Um, and to be fair, 42% of golfers are within the range of 13 to 20, which is the old um, kind of division three, as it were. Um, and from 21 to 28, all division four is 31%. So actually 73% of golfers sit above a 13 handicap, for, especially for men. So I suppose when you're running your competitions, if you're running your competitions as a full field event, people within that bracket have a 73% chance of winning the competition. So it doesn't mean that the same person's gonna win every time they go and play, but the chances are the person within that bracket will win. And obviously there's way around that mentioned terms of competitions if you're in the medal. Have you thought about running it as divisions? So that means people within a certain handicap categories are competing against each other. Mm -hmm. So I don't really take the, the argument that high handicaps are dominating competitions, no. It's just that they represent the majority of golfers. I've seen that graph, I should say. I should point this out to listeners, which is why I've asked you about it, mm -hmm. um, because I've seen it. It's being presented at England Golf's World Handicap Workshops. One thing that surprised me on that graph was how few numbers there are of over 28, um, because obviously that's been a big fear of people that um, when the handicap category moved up to 54, mm -hmm. um, that there was going to be this tsunami of... of 54 handicappers winning competitions and claiming all the prizes when really they shouldn't be on the golf course at all, which yeah. is what people would say. But I mean, I, I don't know if you've got the exact figure, but it looked to me on the graph as if it was below 5% yeah, um, from 28, from like 29 over, which I, I thought was quite surprising because yeah. one, of the, one of the things that we would 
one of the reasons 54 Handicap was brought in before WHS was to increase yeah. participation. That was the primary mm -hmm. um, thing. So what, what do you think that you're seeing on the ground there? Are you seeing lots of new players who are coming in and getting handicaps or are you seeing a lot fewer of these players entering competitions than perhaps people would have thought? I think you see when these players come in to, to play in golf and they get the first three cards and they'll get 28, 36, 40 handicapper. I think what you've got to remember is when, when I reflect back to when I was a higher handicapper when I first started playing, is the speed in which you progress. So actually, if you come starting as a 30 handicap, the chances are you won't be staying a 30 handicap for long as, as long as you keep playing more. And obviously the opportunity to put in your general player scores instead of just competition, um, that's where you see them numbers yeah. starting to reduce. It is a phenomenally curmudgeonly point to take, I think, to criticise high handicappers for winning. Like They're high handicappers for a reason, right? And they are going to improve. And the, like stopped clocks tell the right time twice a day. Everyone has a good day, right? Yeah. Uh, and the, the essence of the 54 handicap was to get people on a pathway to improvement, wasn't it? It wasn't to enable them to win the monthly medal. Um, so I think that it's a, you must. We all remember being juniors, and you would be winning every single comp going because you were improving, and your handicap was tumbling. And people hate that as well, don't they? I think. I think what surprises me in this whole piece um, is the power that a golf club has to actually exercise change in that respect. Um, I, I agree with the point that James makes. You know, if you if you run a full field event, it's got hundred and. 80 people in it and 125 of those are between 13 and 28 well then the chances are that one of them is going to win it because not only do they dominate the field it is factually correct i think to say that a 28 handicapper has got more room to improve yeah. on any given day than perhaps a 10 handicapper or a 5 handicapper you know that's the argument you often hear i have to beat the course records to to win the tournament but I was at a, um, again. I, I was at the um, a recent uh, WHS workshop, and uh, it was Mike Greener, who's handicap coordinator for England Golf, and he asks the room, you know, how many of you run divisions, how many of you offer net or gross prizes, for example, if you're looking to wider out, you know, have you thought about lowering the, increasing the number of divisions you have, and the number of people that sort of put their hands up and said, actually, we don't run any divisions of any kind at all. Mm. I just find that. Like incredible because you, you, the e, there will always be people I think who say well I want to win the cup um, who are not going to be very happy because they can't win the trophy but at least if you're running divisions you can compete can't you within your own division and then you might have your moan about the 28 handicap or winning the, winning the board competition but at least there's prizes there I'm always surprised I don't, I don't know if they do it or Woodley they, they sort of mix and match at York at Sandburn they did it all the time I'm always surprised when I don't see divisions we don't have enough players if we had divisions I would basically be first or second every week in division one do you not get a lowest gross <laughs> I mean you get what happens with finishing I think <laughs> but, but like at York where I'm a member um, we can have a we can have 178 we can mm. have 200 plus you know in a summer competition you know if you're not running divisions like what are you actually doing yeah in my view anyway but they, I think, I think, it, I think that's a red herring. Like you've entitled it, myths among golfers on these notes. But the idea that the idea that um, high handicappers have kind of been given their head by WHS, I don't think is accurate. Well, it, it leads into the first of those points, which is that people say that um, WHS is a cheats charter because it's too easy to manipulate, and that is that's that's primarily, I think, brought in from the principle of general play scores. 
um, because there's this idea, isn't there, that, um, that um, I can just go out with my mate. And, and I think we'll get into the role of a tester later on because mm. this, this is often not talked about and I think it's really important. But the idea is that I'll go out with my mate and if we want to put a bad score in or several bad scores in, then we can go into the competition and you know, we can clean up. Um, and that, and that is, that is a, a, something that absolutely persists every time I write something about WHS on Twitter, I know you see and you'll see the same comments that I do. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that kind of idea of um, it's a cheat's chart undermines the system. And because it, because it continues to float, whether it's true or not, um, people, it's like, the mm. old, um, it's like the old whispers game, isn't it? People yeah. will often think something is true if enough people say it's true. Yeah, absolutely. But I think one thing that WHS has, has done like under Congo, there was no data, there was no reporting to, to find out golfers. All, all clubs were looking at is the results of a competition. Well, what WHS has been able to do is give us data. The amount of reports that we have now available to handicap committees um, to be able to take action against golfers is, is quite quite extraordinary. Well, can you just so, outline some of them, that, what, what some of those reports are? I mean, I'm going to give you a starter, which is competition versus general play. Yeah, competition versus general play is actually generally one of my favourite reports because we all know that um, England golf are currently running the pilot with their late competitions, whereby if you've got four general player scores, um, they're going to compare that against the competition scores. And if you're outside a certain parameter, you may not be allowed into the competition. Generally, when looking at elite golfers, obviously looking at yourself, Tom, it's you're, don't, don't, you're, don't look at me. You're always, you're always going to shoot within a certain parameter, mm -hmm. whether it's a general player or a competition. So first, you've got that report. You've also got the the handicap review report um, as well. Um, and there's uh, on the golfers' records. You've also got the ability to look at the deleted score intents. Um, or any kind of penalty scores that they've got. So the information that is available through the platform is there. And part of the education that we're doing when we're going to these workshops is saying the handicap committees, you have the power. So you're complaining about Joe Bloggs going away and hitting all these four ball, better ball scores, um, and then putting in 50 general player scores during the year and getting three shots on his handicap. You can do something about that. Because as long as you've got the evidence the counties will, will back you up. England golf will back the counties up, and we, we can we can do something. Um, yeah. Did you say then that you can actually see like basically what people have keyed and then deleted scores? Is that what you just said? Yeah. So for example, when yeah. you when you sign on the MyAG app, yeah. And you pick it. So I'm at Bradsburg Castle. I pick the white tees. Halfway around, oh my god, I can't bother put this score. I'm playing terrible. I'm going to delete the score intent. You've got to give a reason. Okay. Well. Got we you. can see that reason, that deleted score intent. So if you see people sort of multiple saying they're injured multiple times, it sort of starts well, looking kind of, a bit suspect. Kind of, you kind of flag it up, yeah. I mean, the best one we had was, I've just had a 25 and a par four. I'm walking in, I'm done. <laughs> Give us a giggle. Well, that's you very bad If I was that person, I'd probably, I'd probably be the same thing. But it, it, it goes on that, that the, um, the report and the data is there to, to support the, the club handicap committees. I didn't um, actually know you could do that. I didn't know you could de delete an intention. You, like, I've got to go and pick my kids up or something. Brilliant. Yeah, but you've got to do it within a valid, valid reason for yeah. deleting an intention. And if you don't have a valid reason, you might get a penalty score. Did you yeah. do that? 
when you played at the weekend and you couldn't get on the first tee because it was too busy. Which week was that? Did you hear this? I heard that, I heard the podcast, but you, you played off six and around the 12 or something. Oh, I did, yeah. But you, well, didn't do, you couldn't do a score in 10 because you didn't start in the first hole. Which is what I said. Which is what I said. This but is I, the, week, have, the, uh, the week after he spent. Unless he could, could have done the back nine, though. I did, I did do this, though, because um, I, I um, played at Close House and the um, Colt Court, which is obviously in Newcastle, and the Colt Course and the Philly Course, the two 18-hole complexes there, they're close together, they're almost on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And there's like multiple different tees, multiple different options. So you go into my EG and it's just like a list. And I picked the wrong one. Um, so I ended up, I was playing the Philly and I ended up signing to Intent on the Colt. And I, it was then that I learned of the delights of Swipe Left. Yeah, right. And That's a different app, Steve. And <laughs> <laughs> had to put my <laughs> and had to put my deleted score intent in. And funnily enough, just um, going back to what James was talking about, the power of committees. I got a call two days later from my handicap committee chairman asking me why I deleted the score intent. He was happy with my reasoning for it. He, he considered it to be a valid reason, but he had seen the dis deleted score intent on the WHS platform, and he then further investigated, which is presumably what you're, you're saying that committees should do when they, when they find these situations. Absolutely, because that's also one of the reasons why handicap committees should be made up of three or more people. So then you can obviously share the responsibilities um, and make the relevant decisions regarding your players. Yeah. At the end of the day, at a golf club, you know your players. I think so, this is an interesting point, James, that I don't think we've actually got to ourselves before in that because it's digital, because it's all tracked, it should actually make this sort of stuff way, way easier to dig out, shouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, if, I mean, one thing I try and um, get all clubs to do, because there's loads of ISV softwares out there as well, which are doing a great job, um, but ultimately, if you always use the My EG app for general play scores, it is all on the WHS platform um, to, to, to say straight away. Yeah. I think that is that is that hasn't occurred to me that it's you've got a digital footprint and you, and that you is do. sort of undeniable. Absolutely, I mean, me and Mike were at um, uh, a club in my neck of the woods in the northeast doing a workshop in the it was middle of January. Obviously, pitch black outside at quarter past five, and we said, right, let's have a look at the score intents. Apparently, someone just registered for a round at quarter past five. And I'm thinking. Well, they must have some pretty good eyesight because there's no way you can see anything <laughs> out there. And put a score in. Uh, uh, they went to put the score in, but obviously we, we chased it up with a club and said, get that deleted and get that golf that's educated. So, so it's using a lot of different things open to you, whether that's um, the various reports, whether it's deleted score intents. I mean, presumably a club could even, in that case, could actually look on the day's T-shirt, couldn't they, to see if someone had registered to play, for example. That, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. On the, on the same topic, the one, one thing I would like to sort of explore is, is that if, if the kind of advice, and indeed England golf are sort of following their own advice with their um, elite competition, if we're saying that general play scores should perhaps be subject to more scrutiny than competition rounds, um, and in some instances perhaps sort of deprioritised over competition rounds, I think I'm right in saying that the elite competitions here are, if a, a field is full, they're then looking at the um, the waiting list and saying we're going to prioritise people with more competition rounds than general play rounds. I think that's right. Um, not necessarily. It's obviously one thing they're looking at is how many people are in the field, but it's about the comparison between yeah the competition and the general play round. So, for example, 
if a player um, doesn't play any competitions, and they know that they need to get into the English arm, um, but the handicap's not quite good enough, I'm going to put some general player scores in, keep shooting 66 or 65s in general player scores, but they're shooting 75s in competitions, there's clearly a disparity there. Um, so we need to have a look into that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a bit, it would be a bit unfair for that person to take a place over someone who is um, shooting 66 or 65s in all the competitions that they play. We, so we, so. we, we were discussing a, pl a, a player on the way here um, this morning who has a, a big disparity between their, uh, their rounds at their home club, which would include some general play rounds, and then their rounds when they play in um, tournaments away from the home club. And my colleagues were sort of um, raising eyebrows at this. Some people do just play worse in competitions. Um, and I, I guess I'm sort of, the, the, to me, there's a little bit of a contradiction in the, on the one hand, the thrust to say what we want to do is get more people submitting more cards more often and then saying, but we are going to scrutinise that and make sure that they stack up. There's a little bit of a contradiction there. Uh, it depends which way you're looking at, because if we're going to do that towards a 13, 14, 15 handicapper, the expectation is that disparity might be a little bit more. Yeah. Um, because generally they're not as consistent as an elite golfer. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it also comes down to a player's responsibilities, uh, which is something that we also want to educate on because a player's responsibility is to shoot the best score on a hole that they possibly can. Mm -hmm. So ultimately that's whether it's a competition or a general player score. Um, and I think there's part of it that actually maybe we need to start doing that viewpoint. Yeah. Obviously with competition there might be a little bit more, I might be in the lead here or coming up the final few holes, but ultimately you're still trying to shoot the best score. Um, and when you're looking at an elite golfer, that consistency should be more apparent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. There's um, two big topics I'd like to get into because um, we've got loads of things on our list and we're not we're not going to get through them all. I think in, in in the time for the podcast, but there are, there are two key areas I'd like to talk about because I think um, they're very relevant to. Um, what golfers can do, what their responsibilities are, and also how they should be thinking about their handicaps and the WHS index. So let, let's look at the first one, which is um, the role of the attester. Um, it was only when I came here, actually, to have a chat with you that I even thought about this for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. It is really interesting, isn't it? Because when we think about possible cases of handicap and manipulation, we always think about golfers doing it, don't we? It's the golfer who's hitting the shots that's manipulating the handicap. But I suppose... To pre-register, to do it however you do it, whether you still hand in a scorecard or whether you do it through the app, it sort of takes two to tango. Oh, just what I was going to say. Um, I was actually thinking exactly. I was literally <laughs> about to say this. I think I'm going to respond to this question well. Well, Steve, it takes two to tango. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally about to say it. And, and there's a marker as well. I mean, can you? I, I know this is something that you're looking at um, in, in terms of educating of committees yeah. and the role of the attester. So just tell me a little bit about the kind of key role a marker has to play in terms of ensuring the integrity of WHS? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the workshops, one of the things we always say about um, when people are complaining about golfers or people who's trying to manipulate it, we think, well, we just, just remember, have you ever thought about having a chat with the, uh, the marker or the attester? Oh, I didn't think about that. Didn't think about that. Like, yeah, so that person's got a responsibility to make sure that card that's handed in is the score that the player put in that hole. So when we're thinking about the testing, I'm pretty sure you've, both of you have always been one. I know I've, I've been one. I've signed it under my AG app. I want to make sure that, the, firstly, 
the rules of golf is being followed. Um, and secondly, that the gross scores put down on the scorecard is what the player says they shot. Um, and through the MyAG app, um, you have the ability to reject a score um, if they feel that it hasn't been done appropriately. Um, but ultimately, the, the attester has just as much a responsibility as the player. Mm. This is my personal opinion, so you don't have to you don't have to weigh in on here. But I almost think it's worse. I almost think the attester is worse. Oh dear, we're going to disagree about this because I mean, obviously, like, like they they know that the other person is cheating or manipulating or whatever it is um, in cases where this happens. Should put that caveat. Um, and then they sign for it, and they and they verify it. I almost think that's worse. I almost think that's worse. But I think mm. you have to sort of think about that in practice. Um, so I can think of rounds of golf that I played last summer with um, independent golfers, actually in the main, but actually also club members who have said, "I'm going to um, submit a score today," and I've been there. I didn't even know the word of tester, so I'm going to say marker. <laughs> um, Makes sense. Um, and I've been the marker. And because you're playing a social round and it's not a competition day, then I think you're not paying really that much attention to what the other player's doing. Um, you get to the end and they offer the thing to sign, or digitally, and I'm not sure that you are going to... It speaks to this cultural thing that we talked about before. It's just not what you do. You don't then... It's a social game of golf, so you don't then go around and go... Well, you had this on the first, and like you would do if it was a competition. So I think that is a big ask to, to ask people to start calling their mates out. I suppose I think of a general player score intent in the same way that I do as a competition. I think we'll finish off talking about the cultural difference between competitions yeah, and yeah. general player score, but that's how I see it. But you do. But you're a bloody rules official. <laughs> you're, you're quite at one end of the spectrum here. Steady. If I'm out, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't I say you're on the spectrum. I said you're one end of a spectrum. Uh, but if I'm out for a, an evening game of golf with my mate who's putting a card in because he hasn't submitted any cards, it's just not. It's not the same. It hasn't got the same formality of those of us who's grown up with card and pencil medals on a Saturday. Yeah, I suppose I'm thinking of it from a very extreme viewpoint, which yeah. is deliberate manipulation of scorecards. I've like gone to the worst possible type yeah. straight away. I, I do appreciate that there could be circumstances where, um, you know, for example, you've had a lot of shots, you just genuinely, you just genuinely miscount how yeah. many you have. I'm sure that I'm sure that's a thing. But I do I do think the role of the intestor is important. So I was glad, James, that you were able to talk to mm -hmm. us about that. The second thing I wanted to talk about was. Um, but sorry, just, well, yeah, to just, just to finish on that point, I think, I think you are probably right. I just think it, takes a long, it will take a long time to bed in. So that attester is also going to be the same person moaning about people winning competitions with inflated handicaps. But it's sort of, they're all part of the same ecosystem, aren't they, of making sure that things are done as correctly as possible. You've got to remember the attester also has the digital footprint as well when they've attested the score. Um, so we know exactly who's done, who's marked scores, for example. And this is where we can, we can kind of go to the far ends of the spectrum. And for example, there was one person having a round of golf up north and the person down like Bury Way, wherever it was, was there. They're a tester. They're a tester, they took 200 miles apart and we were able to, 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 to figure that out. And 
So that, that's what I'm, that's what I mean. What the great thing about WHS is we can, we've got all the data and the digital footprints and everything to, to really make sure that the, the game is moving forward in the most equitable way. I feel so, like there's going to be people hiring themselves out, sort of like cards in phone boxes, <laughs> saying willing to attest to anything. Right. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't want to be before like we, the fake ID when yeah. you're seventeen. <laughs> before we move on to the next bit. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, um, but it, it seems to be that, you, that you're suggesting to me that golf clubs have the tools to sort this out if they want to. Now, that, 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 yeah. that, I'm, I'm going to be very careful to say that that is not you saying that golf clubs need to get to grips with the problem. Um, but what, what I am saying is that if they believe that there are issues within WHS, in the way that their players use it, they have actually got a lot of ways that they can at least investigate. Yeah, so I suppose this goes down to the handicap committee's responsibilities. Um, so they are responsible for the golfers at their golf club and ensuring that people are doing what they should be doing by the rules of golf and the rules of handicap. Um, and they have the powers within them to to, to, to freeze handicaps, even withdraw handicaps um, if they need to. But I think one thing I've noticed since I've come into this role, a lot of it is about this golfer education. So it's trying to get them out of the old culture and kind of into the new one that actually this is, this, this is what you've got responsibility for. It's not mm. just someone else's responsibilities. For example, you have responsibility to play the best golf you have in every hole. For example, there's no such thing as an NR anymore in, in theory. So if you're a general player or a competition, you're NR, well actually, if you've still got six holes left, you've got to try your best on the next six holes to ultimately it might be counting for your handicap. Mm. Um, so there's, there's that little bit of a culture change. But I suppose one thing I will add is, we are the only nation in the entire world that really care about our handicaps. Right. It's like an ego point of view. Tom, when, when I met you, when I met you, when I met you earlier, of course, the first thing you asked us was, so what do you play off, James? I was just making small talk. I'm I, know, I, know, I, know I, know, I know it's general small talk. You, you <laughs> meet the golfer in the street. Oh, you play golf. Oh, yeah. What's, what's your handicap? It's not where do you play or, um, or anything like that. I'm just not very it's, good. Um, like, what do you drive? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You don't, what, what car do you drive? It's, it's not about that, is it? It's, um, so it's, it's trying to get this uh, out of this maybe this ego um, <laughs> viewpoint and actually just what we want people to do is go to the golf course, declare their intent, play the round of golf, submit it. Have a pint in the bar. Do you know what? I, like, so go home. We talked about this in, and we, we talked about it through uh, the context of how things are different in the US um, and golf is viewed much more socially and much less about winning and much less about kind of how high, high or low your handicap is. And I've, I've tried to think about it loads. I keep, I keep wanting to be the person who just puts every card in and then you just get what you get. I really would like to be that person. And I keep thinking that's what exactly what I'm going to do. But, but like, it's p part of my personality is having a decent handicap at yeah. golf. You can't ask me to give that up. It's terrible. Of course you can. At the end of the day, it's, it's one of these things where I, I, I used to be very like, conscious, like, I want to get my handicap down, get yeah. my handicap down. Um, but ironically, is since I've actually stopped caring about my handicap, my handicap's got a little well, yeah. bit better. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's one of these things, that it's great that we are passionate so much about it, which, mm. is, which is, I think, one, one of the really good singing points of, of, of what we do here in, in Britain. Um, but ultimately, 
we need to just enjoy our game of golf and have fun. Yeah. This, the, it's, is it two different things? Because I, I think that we got to this the other week and I think that is very much the nub of it for me is yeah. that like we want, we want people to be out playing golf, tracking their scores um, and kind of accepting what comes. And then I get into this sort of bigger point about whether handicaps full stop with a problem. And that make, that's like giving us all like a little badge to wear <laughs> that says this is how much you earn, this is what your handicap is. It's like, it's not much wonder we're all so hit up about it, is it? Because someone's given us a number. I'm trying to do James out of a job. <laughs> Let's just get rid of handicap. <laughs> well, to be fair, I think the handicap, and the, I think the great thing about golf is we're the only sport in the entire world where I could compare myself to like you know an elite golfer yeah. you know someone who's playing the Ryder Cup team I can go and probably have a have a game of golf with them and, and be competitive because of the handicap system it's not like I'm just going to a football field and start playing against Lionel Messi and <laughs> expect to compete <laughs> is it yeah um, this is the beauty of the game this is a very nice link into our next bit it's almost as if we had this planned um I, I want to get into, because um, this comes up on Twitter a lot, um, what a WH index actually is. And because um, I think there's maybe there's some confusion um, from golfers about how what their old Congo index was in terms of what it reflected about their ability and what WHA, WHS index reflects about ability. I mean, I used to hear all the time in Congo this isn't actually what you'll play off. It's a, it, it, it illustrates your potential, what you what you could get to. Is that different with WHS? Are they totally different systems in that regard? Yeah, of course it is. Um, I think with Congo it was one of these things. If you played your handicap three times a year, you've had a good year. Yeah, that was the, um, that was the sort of number that I always understood. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember when I, I remember when my handicap was coming down in Congo. I think it was a four in handicap and I won a competition with a few. You know, playing the 10 and all of a sudden my handicap just got cut to 10 because that's my potential ability you know uh, obviously with with WHS it's all um, run by the calculations it's just, just basically just a big calculator from honestly but it's more about what your potential uh, sorry what your ability is now what is your playability now um, and that's what it's about so in theory more people should be playing the handicap more often. Yeah, and it's it's also more reliant on submitting a volume of scores, right? You need to get some critical mass of data. Yeah, you need, need to be submitting regular scores to yeah. have your handicap the most um, reliable compared to your playing ability. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that idea of it being, the WHS index being what your ability is now, does that explain why it moves? up and down perhaps more frequently than Congo because that's another yeah. thing that people say oh well I, I've had a bad run for a couple of weeks my handicap's like done this or yeah. I've, um, I've put one really good score in my handicap's like plummeted is, is it meant to be a bit more volatile perhaps than Congo's um, was? I think it's meant to change depending on the scores that you put in and how, how you're playing so for example I might actually play golf the next I haven't looked at my record lately but I think the next five won't have it any bearing on my handicap unless I shoot lower than one of my me, me, me best days. Yeah. Um, whereas before, if I shot five terrible rounds, I'm 0.5 up. So um, there's, there's two ways you can look at it. You could have three, three of your best rounds coming off and not, not compete with them, and then obviously your handicap's going to go up. So it's, it's all in relative um, to how you're playing. Yeah. And I guess if, um, if handicaps are becoming slightly more generous, should we say, or people should be should be more reflective of people's current ability. They are going to play to them more often. There are going to be higher scores, potentially winning 
metals and stable foods than there were previously because well because of logic yeah. and then also dependent as well about where the cost rating sits as well so for example your score differential doesn't go against the power of a course it goes against the course rating mm. so on a course yeah. rating that might have a past 72 but a course rating 70 uh, a course rating of 69.9 yeah well actually your stable for par score is 38 points not 36 yeah so that's why you might see an increase in higher scores winning at certainly them, them sort of courses. Oh, that's interesting. So if we were, so we, I guess the sort of questions that we've, um, that we came to get answered. So there's, there's a couple of things about um, uh, course rating and slate rating, which I think we've covered. We talked about PCC, we talked about interoperability. Those to me are all sort of rollout issues. I think you've, you've spoken really well, and I think clarified certainly for me, some of the myths around um, WHS. You love a catchphrase, don't you? Cheats, charters, phenomenal. Uh, I think I didn't invent it. I've got to give social media credit for that one. I think um, uh, I think that is a, a big takeaway for me is that actually the digital nature of it and the digital footprint that you leave um, should actually make that kind of thing much more outable. Yeah. And I think when you look at the cheats charter, some quotations there, <laughs> the Congo system was just as equally as manipulative. Yeah. Um, as WHS, the, the difference is now is we can do something about it. Yeah. And we can give the power to the handicap committees and the counties to, 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 to do something about it. And let's be honest, we're actually talking about a very, we're very good in golf and of talking about the very minuscule <laughs> of golfers and not the actual um, higher percentage, if we were, because like 99.9% of golfers are doing the, doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, so can we strike a deal then? <laughs> Straight a deal. Yeah, if you promise to sort out interoperability, right, as soon as you can, then we'll promise to submit all our cards and attest to the best of our abilities. How about that? As a, a deal between the golfer From and, the, and the governing of heard, body. Would you actually do that, Tom? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I suggested it in a piece and got all kinds of pelters. Um, but that again, this is a very nice segue because it leads to. Um, what I think is a key issue in WHS in that um, it speaks to the culture of golf in GB&I. Um, in that, um, I mean, I, you, when I came here, you rightly shamed me for my lack of um, general play rounds because I think I had like seven or something in, in, in since WHS. I wouldn't say a shame. Oh, yeah. All right, then. I would, I would say I, just, I, I think I compared your general play rounds to your competition rounds for. for a bit of fun, didn't we? But I think I'm like a perfect example of that in the sense that a lot of my golf is competition golf, like the vast majority of my golf is mm -hmm. competition golf. Um, and I suppose that um, WHS probably, if we're going to get the best out of it, we probably need to be a think need to think a bit wider um, about golf as a whole and not competition or social or competition yeah. or general play. But that's a huge cultural shift for this country, and 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 we know it is because. I think um, I think everybody knows that the rules of handicapping that as they are adopted in GB&I are different to perhaps as they would be in America or in other parts mm -hmm. of the world, principally because of that difference. You know why we don't have match play scores, for example. Why don't we? Have, why we don't have four ball currently? That's because culturally it's a bit it's a bit different. Um, so, do you think that we as golfers? I'll get to the crux of this now. Do you think we as golfers need to change the way we think about how we play our golf? It's controversial, I know, but 
uh, I suppose it's a controversial one because maybe it's a this comes down to more of a personal opinion than um, anything else because I think the great thing about golf um, I might be doing a bit of a political job on this one is everyone enjoys their golf differently mm. not everyone wants to play a competition golf not everyone wants to just do general play golf not everyone wants to go play 18 holes or the, the, the people like to play golf differently um, and I think that's one thing that I want to try and get out of my role is to try and appeal to all the golfers um, uh, uh, and ultimately it's getting them to enjoy the game the way they see it so I quite enjoyed your pod podcast about the roll-ups um, obviously it's a way to integrate with the clubs but then some people might not like that they might just want to go out at four o'clock at the guaranteed tea time everyone's different and that's the beauty of the game yeah I've got an update on that by the way I've made it into two WhatsApp groups now so I'm integrated like Mr. Popular. It's only taken 11 years. I've just joined a new member WhatsApp group at Strensel. Have you? Like yeah. a sort of Lonely Hearts Club? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. With, di with disappearing messages as well, so. Like, is that like a first date for, for golf? Exactly, yeah. Sorry, disappearing messages, what's you that? Are, yeah, because on WhatsApp you can turn on disappearing messages, so after seven days they all disappear. Is that a fact? It is a fact. Well, that's worth knowing, isn't it? It is a fact. Right. But I, I worry for you about what that's going to mean. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the advantage that you're going to take of that. So where, where's, that, where's that digital footprint at? Exactly. <laughs> um, just, just to finish off, I think, unless you've got anything uh, pressing, Tom, that you want to say. I mean, Just uh, what the future is, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, I think one of the beauty about WHS is, is, is because we've gotten all this data, we, um, the, the ability for the rules to be modified and advanced because of that data. Um, can happen, can occur. I take the PCC as a prime example. Um, everyone saw that it's not moving that often. It should move a little bit more often than it did. Um, and we changed it by doing the data. The great thing about the rules of handicapping is just like the rules of golf, it's gonna be revised every four years. Um, so, so the next one is 2024. So maybe changes are gonna be coming in next year. Um, it's obviously discussions happening out there. Um, no decisions made yet but ultimately we're using the data to evidence the decisions that we're going to make um, and with the ultimate goal just ensuring we're promoting the equity within golf yeah I think that's really good I think uh, I've learned something because that, that I think that once you get that in your head that the, the numbers are all there now so any sort of tweaks and problems and kinks can be ironed out but yeah. it's going to be based on big data, big aggregated numbers, rather than a sort of feeling that someone has at a local yeah, level. Yeah, it's, it's not just hearsay anymore, it's, 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 actual, yeah. it's actual fact. Yeah. Um, and obviously the one thing that we want to make sure we get across is we've got that pathway of support. Yeah. So the golfer can go to the Club Handicap Committee, they've got all the tools. Yeah. The Club Handicap Committee is stuck, they can go to the County Advisors. Yeah. Then they're stuck, they've got the Regional Advisors, and if the Regional Advisors are really stuck, they'll, they'll then come to us. Yeah. Um, but we've got that backup across and that pathway to support as best as we can. And I get that is, I mean, this is obviously what you're doing in your workshops, that, that education piece for um, committee members, and I think that that comes back to the data point as well, that previously that, that kind of thing is an argument, basically, is yeah. at club level. If someone said, look, mate, we think your handicaps are too high mm -hmm. or too low, previously that's been a bit of a kind of instinctive thing. Um, yes, it might be based on results, but it's kind of, um, what's the word? It's... Uh, 
interpretation of those results that an individual might not agree with. But if you've got some actual numbers or some actual yep, evidence, yeah, that is a really big, really big difference. Hundred percent. I think that the, the main thing we want to try and get across in these workshops as well is, unless you're obviously a proprietary type of club, the majority of the handicap committees are all volunteers. So we appreciate the work that goes on out there. It's, it's absolutely our sport would not survive if all our volunteers just yeah. decided to quit tomorrow. Yeah. We wouldn't have golf. Mm. So volunteers are, are really doing some great stuff out there, and we want to make sure we help them. Yeah. And do, for them to make the best decisions that they possibly can. Yeah. Um, to support their to support their club. Yeah. And the other my other big takeaway is there's a definitely a sort of coincidence and causation thing about the high scores. I think that it's quite easy to say, well, Stableford scores are going up, that must be because of 54 handicaps, or it must be because of manipulation of the handicap system. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually you've eruditely pointed out two, two things that actually would influence that. One is the system itself is probably slightly more generous than Congu to the individual, and that's all individuals, not just high mm-hmm. handicappers. And the second thing is the, the inflation of scoring based on course rating, where actually a par score for Stableford may be 38, not maybe 36. Yeah. So you're naturally going to get higher winning scores. So, like everything else, there's a lot of hot, hot air on Twitter. It's very rarely accurate. Thanks there's for a lot, there'll always be hot air. Yeah. Um, but I suppose what, what we'll, we'll always do is just try our best to support and yeah. whatever we can. I mean, at the end of the day, you're never going to please everybody. Yeah. Um, but my message out there is just go out and enjoy your golf. Yeah. If you're going to put a general purse score in, follow the rules, yeah. clear your intent, get yeah. your attest to the sign it. Um, and all of your handicaps going to take care take yeah. care of itself. Yeah, that's really good. So we're going to try and play some holes on the Hotchkin this afternoon. Have fun. Do you do you get to play here much? Uh, not too often, no. Unfortunately, I've joined in January, where the, obviously weather isn't the best. So the majority of my golf at the minute has been on the driving range. Fair enough. Um, but when that sunshine gets out and the light nights, I will be making sure they take yeah. advantage. What's your Woodall track record? Many laps. Uh, this will be my fifth, fifth or sixth, but the first one with my new TaylorMade Two Stealth Driver. Have you? <laughs> you haven't I talked about your TaylorMade Two Stealth Driver, have you? I've got some news actually on TaylorMade for you. I think I'm contractually obliged to talk about. Well, I know that's why I'm sort of raising it. But there was a there was a big meeting, Steve, on Wednesday when you were a hot topic, and they've agreed that you can go and get fitted for some wedges and irons and all the rest of it to give you something new to talk about. Sounds good, isn't it? Hot off the press. You can't really be speechless on a pod, can you? But no. I would be, otherwise. This is fantastic news. The, the unfortunate thing for you, it's on me to try and arrange it, so that might delay matters. Mm, 2027 then. So I used, to, <laughs> I used to be a member here, country member at Woodall, so I've done lots of laps of the Hotchkin. Um, and I wanted to uh, mention Richard Lathan, who's the general manager at, uh, at Woodall. Um, exceptionally good golfer. Mm-hmm. I played with him in club championship with him twice, beat me both times, English seniors champion. Renowned author. Yeah, and he was, um, I think, sort of instrumental in bringing Doke here for the um, the refresh that the course has had over the last um, three or four winters. Um, you won't know if you've not been here previously, but the golf course is just amazing now. They've taken out many, many trees, opened the whole thing up, restored it to its kind of former glories, and it's it's well worth the trip down the Lincolnshire roads, I think. I've, uh, I've walked around it a few times on, uh, on my lunch yeah. um, to get a feel of the place, and them bunkers look like 
something different. Yeah, um, Lincolnshire so, Folklore says there's 365, one for every day of the year. Yeah, I think it's one of them where if you can't hit a bottle of a bunker, yeah. you're going to have a hard day. You are, yeah. But I'm not, I've heard something that um, Mike said, because Mike's lady, because I was like, it's one of these courses where you start playing thinking this is mint. And you're like, oh, this is even better, and this is even better. And then you get to the end and you're like, I'm not finished now. Yeah. It's like one of the kind of things you want to, you want to continue playing. Yeah, it's a lovely flat walk as well. It's great. It's really good. Let's get out there then. Thanks for joining fun, us, guys. Yeah. Really Thanks very, very much.